Good morning. It's uh, really good to be here. We've had a good weekend uh, spending time uh, with Santo and Mary Ellen and uh, your leadership and uh, meeting yesterday, training. Good time. Thank you so much for having us. Um, I grew up in New Jersey. I grew up in Newark, in the projects of Newark, and uh, that's where Jesus saved me. And uh, that's where I also found my wife. She lived in the next building, and uh, she came to Christ in our church youth group. And uh, so if you ever, you know, they used to say, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And they said that about Jesus, and they say, can any good thing come out of Newark? And uh, obviously looking at me, the answer is still no. But uh, Jesus uh, is able to save anybody, anybody. Hallelujah. So we're really glad to be here. It's thrilled to see the Yardies here from Nairobi. And uh, some of you don't know, but my wife and I uh, pastored in Nairobi from 1982 to 1984. And uh, that created a lot of relationships in Kenya. And uh, some years later, uh, a Kenyan man named uh, Joe Matuki came to Covenant Seminary out in St. Louis and he was struggling about what to do when he went home. And uh, so I uh, tried to encourage him to plant a church. And uh, he did. And it is known as New City Nairobi. Now, one of the things you should know about all the New City churches, they are churches that are committed to the city in which they are, committed to the poor, and committed to cross-cultural ministry. And Joe Matuki, who is an African, he is from the Kamba tribe, he had a real burden for Asian people. And what's interesting is in this African city of Nairobi, a lot of Americans don't know this, but in this African city, many, many people from India and Pakistan have come to live. Now, they they came, the British, uh, when they were building the railroad, brought a lot of people from India And a lot of those families stayed. And then they had relatives, and a lot of those families came uh, to live in Kenya. And uh, many of them, of course, uh, are Hindu or Muslim, and they don't know Christ. Now, some of them were Christians even in India. Joe Matuki had a real burden in his heart for Asian people. And I want you to know there's a lot of racism between Africans and Asians Uh, in Nairobi. Um, You know, for many years, the white colonialists, the British, ruled Kenya, and the the Asians became the shopkeepers and the business people, and the Africans did did all the laboring and work. Well, that in the 60s, uh, the African countries, most of them received their freedom. Uh, They no longer were colonies. They became independent countries. The Africans became the head of the government. And so there was friction between Africans and Asians. And in fact, in one country in Uganda, uh, Idi Amin, one day he said, I want all the Asians out. And just gave them just a day or two to pack up their bags and leave. Thousands of people had to leave the country just like that. And uh, most of them never came back. Uh, But thank God in Kenya, that's not what happened. But some uh, Asian came, brother came to Joe Matuki, and he said, why don't you love me? 
And Joe said, what do you mean? Why don't I, I'm a Christian. I love you. And he said, well, then why don't you evangelize my people? Why don't you share the gospel with Asian people? And uh, so Joe determined that when he planted a church, it was going to be Africans reaching Asians, that everyone would be welcome. And so that's what's happened uh, there at New City, Nairobi. And uh, so this is what New City's about all over the world, wherever we have churches. We're trying to bring people together in Jesus Christ. Uh, so one of the things that you need to do today when uh, we leave here, you go up to the Yardies and shake their hand. I hope you will. This is a very African thing you need to do to them. Say, take our greetings back to Nairobi so that when they get home, they'll stand up and say, New City, Atlantic City sends you their greetings. So it's always a very important African thing to do. Okay, today we are going to uh, go to the book of James. And, you know, I, I found out your pastor's been preaching through James. And uh, so... I'm, I'm not going to preach, I'm, I'm really preaching a topical sermon. It's, it's about a subject that starts in James. So if I say anything different than your pastor said, he's right, I'm wrong, okay? So, so I'm going to pray, and then uh, we're going to just read this, this verse. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for letting us worship today. We we do thank you that we were able to confess our sins. And we are sorry, Lord, for how we sin. And there's not anyone here, Lord, who doesn't sin. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for sinners and you love us. Please wash us clean in your blood. Please, Lord God, send the Holy Spirit. Fill me, fill my mouth, help me to speak your word. Oh, God, do a work of grace. If there's anyone here, Lord, who's not yet saved, we pray you'd save them from their sins. But please bring the glory to yourself, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our our text uh, this morning is in chapter 3 of the book of James, and we're actually only going to read uh, one verse, and that's verse 9. With the tongue... We praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, that went by pretty fast, didn't it? Let me read it again. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Now, I imagine uh, Pastor Garofalo preached to you about the tongue. And, man, what a... I don't think you could preach a sermon about the tongue without everybody being convicted. Um, there's a, a ministry uh, called Sonship. And uh, one of the things that uh, this ministry does, usually you, you take this course for a week or you may take it over a year, just one hour at a time. But they start with an exercise, and the exercise is, and, and it's an exercise to kind of show you how, how rotten you can really be, as, as if we needed an exercise for that. But here's the challenge. They say, one, in one week, don't sin with your tongue. Just start from today, go one week, and you're not allowed uh, to complain. You're not allowed 
uh, to say anything derogatory about another person. You're not allowed to gossip. You're not allowed to slander. Uh, You're not allowed to be defensive uh, about yourself. Uh, No sinning with the tongue. That's all you got to do. I guess it's allowed to sin other ways, but uh, (laughs) that one week, just focus. No sinning with your tongue. And, you know, of course you know what happens. You know, everybody feels terrible. Because after the week, you realize, "Ah, I couldn't go an hour, you know, without something stupid coming out of my mouth. Well, here, uh, in this one verse, uh, the Apostle James, uh, as he's talking about the tongue, He, he, he gives us this comparison. You use your tongue to praise God, which is what we did this morning, is it not? You came here to church. You sang. Uh, you did the responsive reading. Maybe you prayed. But with your tongue today, we gave God glory. Now, it may happen to you. It may that before this day is over, with that same tongue, you will say something mean or evil to another person. Some of you will say something sinful or wicked to some of the people you love the most. Because they're usually the people you live with. Is that not right? You know, if I asked you, hey, do you love your parents? A lot of you say, oh, yeah, I really love my parents. You know, if you're married, I would say, do you, do you love your spouse? Oh, yeah, yeah, I love my wife. I love my husband. Do you love your children? If you have to, Oh, I love my children. But do you ever say anything really mean to them? And you know you do. Now, I, you know, maybe you're better than me. But uh, the people we love the most. But here, James wants you to understand this. He said, look, you bless God. With your tongue, but that same tongue, you turn around and curse men, and here's the punchline, who are made in God's likeness. And, and that's the thing he really wants you to understand. What's, what's so bad about praising God with the tongue and cursing out people is people represent God. People are made in God's likeness. And so that's really what I want to talk to you about, that basically you should see grace in their face. Okay? You need to see grace in their face. That is, when you look at people, any kind of people, you should remember they were created to bear the likeness of God. That's why we're on the earth. We are different from all other animals We represent God on the earth. That that is his grace. There is no such thing as a human being who isn't touched by grace because if you're alive, you're alive by grace. That means God's mercy. Okay, if you agree, you can say amen at any moment. Okay. Now, what... What is in it and where is it? That's my first point. What's in it and where is it? Uh, talking about the image of God. So we're going to do a little Bible research here. If you've got your Bible, uh, this, is, this first one's easy. Go to the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. Uh, everybody ought to be able to find that. 
uh, Genesis chapter 1, right at the beginning, okay? And uh, we're going to start reading at verse uh, 24, 24th, 24th verse of Genesis. And here is the story of God's creating the world and God's creating human beings. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Right from the very beginning, uh, human beings were created in God's image. They didn't develop into the image of God. They were created in the image of God. Now, that brings up a lot of questions. What is that? What is the image of God? What is it? Where, where, what's in it? Where, where is it? I mean, is it a tattoo? You know, we've we got to check out your body. And where's that image of God at? You know, or you say, well, you know, I mean, does, does this mean that a human body is exactly what God looks like? If I were to go to heaven and, and where God uh, sits on his throne and I looked at him on the throne and I go, oh, yeah, you look like my cousin Harry. Is that what we're thinking? Well, you know, because if that, you know, you say, wait a minute. If, if human beings are created in the image of God, I know some ugly people. And I really don't understand that. How could a human being, how could this human being actually claim, you know, for myself, and I look in the mirror, I can see it. But other people, I can't see it. Now, we got to be real careful about this because the Bible never says that our human bodies are what looks like him. One reason for that is it says to us that God is a spirit. He has a spirit. In fact, it says that he is invisible. He is the invisible God. So how could I ever claim that I look like somebody who is invisible. Because if he's invisible, it means he's not visible. Okay, you get the logic of that? So obviously, it's talking about something deeper than just a physical resemblance. And what we learn in the Bible is that, and we learn it right away, here, even here in chapter 1, that God has made us different than all the other animals. One thing is, he has given us authority. He says, let them rule. So we are not just an animal. You know, that we, you have uh, people today who think, even scientists who say, listen, there's nothing different 
about human beings than all the other animals of the world. We've just evolved. We are a little bit more complicated because of evolution. But essentially, the bottom line is we're all just animals. This is not what the Bible teaches. That is not true. Now, no matter, even sometimes we have actually lived like an animal. And the Bible will talk about some people who were demon-possessed, who lived among the tombs. Uh, It even talks about a king once who lost his mind and ate grass like cattle. Uh, We have met people who uh, maybe they're mentally ill or they're drug addicted or they're alcoholic uh, or they're they're wild. And, And you say, this guy doesn't act like a human being. He acts like a beast. Some of us, we have been treated by people who have treated us as if they were wild animals just trying to destroy us, that we get no mercy from them. But God says, no, 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 no. Human beings are different than all the animals of the world. He gives to them dominion. He gave to us, it says, he breathed into us, and we, Adam, became a living soul. God breathed into us and made us alive. We are living souls, and in that living soul, we have an ability to relate to the Almighty God. We have uh, knowledge We actually, in the garden, in Adam and Eve, before they sinned, we had holiness. Knowledge and holiness and reason. We had these things. And dominion. These make us like God. These are the things God gave us to look like him. Now listen. Our bodies are important. So please don't take what I say. Oh, okay, well, the body's not important because that's not the image of God. There is no such thing as an image bearer of God outside of a body. Okay, until maybe you go to heaven. But down here on earth, you've never met anybody created in the image of God outside of a body. I hope you haven't. Because if you have, you're talking to a ghost. Okay. Every human being you've ever met is packaged inside a body. Now, my second point is the body is shoddy. Okay? The body is shoddy. Now, what I mean by that is this. Something happened to the image of God. And something happened to our bodies at the same time. What was it? Well, we learn here in Genesis in chapter 3 that Adam and Eve, our first parents, who had been created perfectly, created in God's image, and they had knowledge, they had an ability to relate to God. They ruled over the animals, uh, and they together, in, even though they're in their diversity, male, female, that diversity was still in unity. Together, they reflected the image of God. What happened? They're tempted by the devil. The temptation was not sin. But when they listened to the temptation and acted on it, that was sin. And when that sin happened, all kinds of things fell apart. Their relationship with God was broken. Their relationship with each other was broken. Their bodies became broken. A a thing that was built never to die began to die. If they had stayed in the Garden of Eden... 
they would have been able to eat from the tree of life. And they would have lived forever. Not only was their body broken, but their spirit was broken. So all of these things fell apart. Their relationship with God, relationship with each other, the integrity of their physical being, and the holiness was gone. No human being after that was ever born in holiness except one. And his name is Jesus. So we got messed up. And your human body now, you know, we start out young as babies. And, but even sometimes with infants, we find disease and we find uh, handicaps, defects. We all pray for healthy children. You know, we count their toes and their fingers when they're born, their eyes, their ears. We want them to function. We hope that they can see and they can hear. And hallelujah, you know, when you have a baby, I have four kids. And when, you know, I went to the hospital and those children came out, man, I was such a proud daddy. But boy, I looked carefully, you know, and I paid attention. And I wanted to make sure they were healthy. And I, you know, I wanted to make sure that the doctors took care of them and that they had everything they had. But here, here's an amazing thing. We all begin to grow old. And we live in a world full of diseases and sicknesses. Bad things happen to us. The body is shoddy. Okay? It, it itself, the human body, is not the reflection of God. It's what comes inside that body. And every human being had that image of God even though now it is broken and bent, we still, as human beings, reflect the likeness of God. Say amen. amen. And why is this important? But remember about what James said. James said, you have a tongue, and with it you brush God, but with it you also curse men who are made in his likeness. And so what James is saying to you, please understand, is people are important. People are important. There is no such thing as an insignificant human being. All human beings have dignity. He said, yeah, but, but not those human beings. And this is the problem of racism. This is the problem of classism. This is the problem of wealth versus the poor. The book of Proverbs says the rich and the poor have this in common. God made them both. I want you to understand this. We live in a world full of prejudice, full of bias, full of fear, full of xenophobia. You know, you know that word? It's a good word. You should know that word. Xenophobia means fear of strangers. And, you know, Xenophobia is something that affects all kinds of ethnicities and races. People say, well, I don't know about those people. Those people smell different. Those people act different. Oh, you know how those people are. You know, and this, this, this is treating people as stereotypes. This is treating people, uh, you know, you listen to stupid people say stupid things about other people, and you in turn believe the stupid things other stupid people have said. And then you begin to treat other people stupidly. And we have a whole lot of that going on in America and all over the world. 
You know, we, uh, this last year, we just uh, sort of remembered the anniversary of Michael Brown being shot in, in Ferguson. And boy, did that bring division between white and black folk. Uh, almost every day on, you, on uh, Facebook, I see uh, videos of police uh, shooting or beating up somebody who's unarmed. Because now we live in the age of the camera. You know, the, the smartphone and, it's, and, and, and the surveillance cameras. And it's almost impossible to do anything to anybody that somebody is not filming while you're doing it. So you think it's in private, and the next thing, the whole world knows about what you did. And especially if you're an authority. And, you know, one of the things we realize is that, oh, policemen tell lies. Now, now you say, wait a minute, wait a minute, aren't you know, Listen, I want you to know I'm in favor of policemen. I have a son who's an FBI agent. I'm supportive of law enforcement. But here's the thing about policemen you need to understand. They're human beings, and they sin. And sometimes the problem when you have the gun, and you have a baton, and you have the authority to use it, when you sin, other people get hurt. And... Policemen have prejudices, too. Now, most policemen do their job, and they do it well. And of all, of all the conflicts that happen, they are the minority of all the interactions we have with the police. And we've got to pray for those in authority over us. We've got to love the police. But the reality is, we are living in a day and age where we're seeing all this mistreatment of people, and some of it comes because a individual policeman thinks your life is not as important as my life. That I have the right to hurt you. I have the right to beat you up after you're lying down with handcuffs on your back. Now, they're not the only ones. We, we don't even need to see photographs of policemen uh, doing that. We know that citizens do that to each other. We live in a world full of horrible Horrible racism. And God hates that. And so what my message to you this morning is, God wants you to see grace in their face. God does not want you to think of any people less than you. And it's even more important when you have authority or power over them to remember that. When you have money, when you have power, and when you have authority, you have to be even more careful to have a respect for people. Now, uh, i got a couple more passages I want to talk to you about. Let's go back to uh, James for a second, which is, again, near, near the end of the Bible. And James bring this issue up, and probably your pastor preached this text to you. And this is in chapter 2 of James. And he says this, My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. You see, favoritism is a way you sin against the image of God in people. You say, I think you have more of the image of God in you than you do. 
And he, what is he talking about? He says, suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show favoritism, if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit, sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Man. When we show favoritism to people, we in essence are saying, I don't see the image of God in you. You're not valuable. You're not precious. Um, you know, a lot of Christians today, if you go to a lot of churches, they say, we don't do that in our church. We would never do that in our church. But I'll tell you what American Christians do. They refuse to plant churches among the poor. In a, in a worship service, you know, you come in, usually in most churches, you come in, if the seat's open, you can sit anywhere you want to. Now, there was a day and age, you know, in, in American history where uh, in Philadelphia there were some black men, some African-American men who went to church, to a Methodist church. And they uh, were told, black people sit up in the balcony. And uh, they said, well, one of those men was a man named Richard Allen. And he said, uh, I want to come down and pray with everybody else. And so he came down. He and a friend of his, they came down, they got on their knees in prayer, and the leaders of the church grabbed them and said, you, we will not have black people coming down to the main floor. If you want to worship God, you got to worship where the black people worship. And, they, and Richard Allen stood up and he said, okay, then we'll go start our own church. And that was the beginning of the African Methodist Episcopal Church. They went and started a whole new denomination at the end of the 1700s that exists today, and it's separate because of the prejudice that was shown. They, that was favoritism. Today, what we do is the middle class people, wealthy people say, I don't want to be around poor people. So we're going to start a church for ourselves as far from those kind of folk as we can. And we have these separated churches. And if you went up and asked them, do you think you're better than poor people? You know, they, they would probably say, oh, no, we're all the same. But they don't live that way. So this is one way we sin against these things. Now, I do want to, before I close my sermon, I do want to say one very positive thing about what Jesus is doing. And this is found in the book of Colossians chapter 3. So this is the last text I'm going to ask you to look at, Colossians chapter 3. It's in the New Testament, not as far back as James, but uh, so, so listen to this as I read it. It says this, since then, chapter 3 of Colossians, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. 
When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, uh, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Hear the word of the Lord. What it means is this. You and I were born in sin because of what Adam and Eve did. Our bodies became shoddy. We fell into sin. We used to live one kind of life. What happened to us? Hopefully, you got saved. Some of you may not be. I don't know. But I know what happened to me. One day, I did not know Christ. And someone told me that God loved me. And that Jesus would forgive me of my sins. That he died for me. And I believed it. And Christ came into my life. And I was saved. So there was an old life, an old part of me. That was my old self. Even after I became a Christian, that old self tried to hang around. And here Paul says, now that you have become a Christian, you put on Jesus. He's your new self. And you don't live that old way anymore. You are being renewed in knowledge In the image of God. In other words, what I lost in Adam and Eve when they fell, I'm getting back. I'm created in the image of God. I'm in the likeness of God. But because of my sins, you don't see God like you should. But when I come to Christ and and I grow in Christ, that, that image of God, that likeness of God becomes clearer. You begin to see more of God in me. Every human being is created in the likeness of God, and therefore, we owe every human being respect. We have no right to treat them as they are less than us. But when we look at Christians, we see the face of Jesus in them. That's even more reason to love them, even more reason to respect them. So what am I telling you? Your respect is what they should expect. Your respect is what they should expect. Say, but what if I don't like them? What if, you know, what if they're a crook? What if, what if they've hurt me? What if they've hurt my people? What if they're the people that everybody in my community doesn't like? God calls you to do what's right. 
Your respect is what people should expect. And it's even more important when you don't like them. It's even more important when they've hurt you. It's even more important when they're living such a rotten, nasty life that anybody would say, you know, those people don't deserve respect. Now, what if God treated you that way? What if God had that attitude about you when you were at your worst condition, when you were so messed up in your sins? And God said, you know what? I should just treat them like they deserve. That's what I should do. Wouldn't that be fair? No, it would be fair. Wouldn't it be just if God would just treat you like you deserved? Hallelujah, he does not do that. God does not treat you like your sins deserve. That's what the Bible says. He has not treated us as our sins deserve. How has he treated us? He has forgiven us. He sent Jesus to die for us. He loved his enemies. And even as he hung on the cross, he could have called 12 legions of angels. He could have wiped them out. He could have wiped out the Jews. He could have wiped out the Romans. He could have, you know, he could have said, I'm done with this. I have to take this mess. I made the world. You know, I, you only breathe because of me. I can end that real quick. But what did God do? He forgave. So, brothers and sisters, uh, when you go out of this place, every human being you encounter, every human being you encounter, a different race, a different sex, a different behavior, different lifestyle, no matter how wicked or sinful they may be, God still has his likeness in them. And even and they themselves might be doing everything they can in their power to deny it, to, to try to act like an animal instead of a human being. And God wants us as Christians to still look upon them with respect and to share Jesus with them, to call them to something greater, to call them out of that hatred, to call them out of that wickedness so that they could finally be the people God wants them to be. And may God help people to see grace in our face. May God uh, help people to see Jesus in us with love because that's where they'll see him. Amen. Father God, please take anything that was of you and use it for your glory and anything that was of me, help us to forget it. I do ask that you would help us to be patient with people who are broken, who are hurting, that we would not show favoritism, but that we would show love. Help us to remember it, especially when we're about to say something really mean and nasty to another human being, that we would see your likeness in them and that we would not sin by mistreating them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This Sunday sermon was preached by the Reverend Randy Neighbors, Director of MA Mercy Ministries. New City's Sunday Sermon is recorded live on location at New City Fellowship of Atlantic City. If you're in the Atlantic City area, stop by. Our address is 215 North Sovereign Avenue, Atlantic City, New Jersey. 
visit us online at newcityac.org. That's www.newcityac.org. Oh God is written and performed by the Reverend Dr. Santa Garofolo. Join us next week for a brand new New Cities Sunday Sermon.